Bioinsights podcast. Hello, I'm David McCall, Commissioning Editor of Cell and Gene Therapy Insights, and today we're talking about how to de-risk and accelerate the drug development process for gene therapy. Joining me today is Dr. Kim Watanabe. Kim is the General Manager and Site Head for Pathian Translational Services. As part of the Pharma Services Contract Development and Manufacturing Organisational arm of Thermo Fisher Scientific, she leads this newly launched business that provides discovery stage, clinically bound clients with molecular biology, viral vector and cell therapy services for in vivo gene therapy and ex vivo modified cell-based therapy research applications. So thank you, Kim, for talking with BioInsights. First question for you, what are some of the key high-level trends in the gene therapy sector that are impacting biotech decision-making around outsourcing for you? So from my perspective, I would say that there are three main themes for us. Um, it's speed, simplicity, and resilience. There is a significant number of advanced therapy sponsors who are small to mid-sized biotech companies. And unlike the large farmers, many of the startup biotech organizations they're challenged by limited capital, tight timeline, and incomplete understanding of what it really means to establish a functioning GMP regulatory compliant operation. We live in a very impatient world now than ever, and with the increasing degree of competition in the market for funding, investors don't really have a lot of patience. So they want to see an almost immediate return on their investments, This means there's not a lot of time to build the facility, especially in light of the construction material shortages we see from the COVID-19 pandemic impact. And most importantly, I think it takes time to outfit the facility with the right group of talent. Uh, As a result, the need to outsource to experienced CDMOs with the right set of expertise will continue to grow for these small companies in order to gain that maximal speed to commercialization and ultimately a faster path to their payday. Um, Another trend that I see is the greater demand for supply chain simplicity and resilience to overcome current raw material bottlenecks. Because of the inherent workflow complexities in manufacturing cell and gene therapy products, where we're dealing with different vendors to procure hundreds of raw materials, and many of them, unfortunately, are single source. There's always a need to find areas to improve the supply chain and to build a more streamlined process. So hopefully with our recent experience of going through the COVID-19 pandemic, where we learned a lot, um, where the macro economy pretty much came to a grinding halt. And of course, our advanced therapies industry was also impacted I would say that drug developers are now putting more weight on logistics and raw material inventory management as part of their decision-making process. I think we'll see a greater emphasis on partnering with CDMOs who can offer a true end-to-end solution, more of that concept of one-stop shop. Thanks, Kim. So when should small biotechs engage with CDMOs? 
Yeah, excellent question. Uh, I think the answer is the earlier the engagement, the better. There is this very common misconception that small biotechs can't afford to engage with CDMOs at early stages due to cost. So there's the inclination from drug developers to wait until their lead candidate molecule is fully defined and that they have a good mapping of their CMC strategy first. What unfortunately ends up happening is unrealistic expectations from both the drug developers and the CDMO partner in terms of tech transfer readiness, documentation availability, IP access, timeline, and ultimately all of this impacts cost and of course hindering giving patients access to treatments as early as possible. Our advice overall is to engage with an expert CDMO who has a broad range of capabilities to support clients at all stages of clinical development. And that means starting from discovery, proof of concept stage, way before the preclinical development, and then being able to support through commercial manufacturing. So I think when screening for that right CDMO partner, ask questions on how they can help de-risk tech transfer while ensuring an accelerated path to GMP manufacturing. What can CDMOs do, Kim, to provide bits of support to biotechs until they're ready? Yeah, I think this is a question that's related to the earlier one about when to engage with the CDMO partner. An experienced CDMO partner can play a consultative role from the very beginning at that ideation stage because qualified CDMOs have gone through this process many times before for other molecules, they can ask the right set of questions to stem conversations with innovators so they can consider them as part of their product design. After all, we cannot define the CDMC strategy without first understanding about the intended clinical applications. It has to work hand in hand, how you're designing your clinical trials and your manufacturing process. So we have to work backwards to get an idea of, let's say, the cohort size, the tissue target, the route of administration, the fill volume, the container type, the list goes on. Uh, And ultimately, all of this will help shape which manufacturing process to use and to make with that decision. If the CDMO is someone like Patheon, for instance, we can also provide our partners with access to a scaled down GMP processes for screening molecules before a final candidate is selected. So I think in summary, my guidance here is that if drug developers are undecided whether they should outsource or are certain that they will need to leverage a CDMO some point in their development stage, start the dialogue as early as possible, even before the preclinical development so that you can build that intended fit for purpose from the very beginning. And how are CDMOs helping biotechs solve the challenges of doing business today and addressing concerns of the future? Yeah, I think this goes back to the simplicity and resilience theme that I mentioned earlier. I can share with you what we're doing here at Thermal Fisher Scientific. Our approach is to provide a comprehensive end-to-end solutions under one ecosystem. We're the manufacturer of many critical raw materials. And through our newly launched Patheon Translational Services, we provide molecular biology and viral vector services to generate high quality, small scale materials to support early proof of concept studies. 
And once our partners are ready for preclinical development and later stages, we offer process development and GMP manufacturing through our pharma services. Because you can't really separate that clinical trial design from manufacturing, our organization is in a unique position to also cover clinical research services through our PPD team. And finally, we also have a robust logistics team to support the transport, storing, and handling of specialized biological samples. So in short, by working, I think with one CDMO, what we're hoping to accomplish are to help de-risk that tech transfer process, to control critical supplies, and to simplify business terms such as contracts and licensing agreements, all of which should translate to time and cost savings. Lastly, what should be considered when choosing a CDMO partner? Can you sum up the good, the bad and the ugly for us? Gosh, I think there's so many considerations, but perhaps I can pare it down to a couple main themes. I think the level of transparency and clarity of the offering is an important consideration. Some CDMOs offer flexibility to accommodate unique needs, while others only provide their platform processes. So I think it's important to understand the fundamental needs and assess for a technological fit. If there's, let's say, limited time and and budget and you're early enough, perhaps there's an opportunity um, to partner with a CDMO to test drive their platform technologies without heavy investment upfront. Um, I go back to our organization at Thermal Fisher. We offer our partners access to certain technologies and analytics deployed in GMP setting in a research scale and environment to support our partners that are going through lead candidate selection who are not quite ready for that PD and GMP manufacturing stage yet. And we offer that through our translational services. There's really no commitment to a GMP contract at this stage. And I think this is really important um, for those that are wanting to test something out and engage early, similar to what we discussed earlier on. Another factor to consider is the expertise. So during your screening process for the right partner, listen to how often the subject of facility availability comes up rather than other attributes to consider such as talent pool. Do they have more or less emphasis on the team? Ultimately, these are the ones that are going to be supporting your programs. Is there an experienced team of biologists, virologists, bioprocessing engineers, project managers, and even to the clinicians in the organization? I think overall, the key here is to think on a multi-dimensional level during your evaluation process. Great. Well, thank you very much indeed, Kim, for a very interesting discussion. This episode was brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe to the BioInsights podcast.